O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, August the 10th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Shaftim, and it means Judges. Deuteronomy 18.9-19.8 When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. For example, Never sacrifice your son or daughter as a burnt offering. And do not let your people practice fortune-telling or use sorcery or interpret omens or engage in witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. It is because the other nations have done these detestable things that the Lord your God will drive them out ahead of you. But you must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you are about to displace consult sorcerers and fortune-tellers. But the Lord your God forbids you to do such things. Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must... Listen to him. 
For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, Don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, or see this blazing fire, for we will die. Then the Lord said to me, What they have said is right. I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. But any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name, or who speaks in the name of another god, must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. When the Lord your God destroys the nations whose land he is giving you, you will take over their land and settle in their towns and homes. Then you must set apart three cities of refuge in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Survey the territory and divide the land the Lord your God is giving you into three districts with one of these cities in each district. Then anyone who has killed someone can flee to one of the cities of refuge for safety. If someone kills another person unintentionally, without previous hostility, the slayer may flee to any of these cities to live in safety. For example, suppose someone goes into the forest with a neighbor to cut wood, and suppose one of them swings an axe to chop down a tree, and the axe head flies off the handle, killing the other person. In such cases, the slayer may flee to one of the cities of refuge to live in safety. If the distance to the nearest city of refuge is too far, an enraged avenger may be able to chase down and kill the person who caused the death. Then the slayer would die unfairly, since he had never shown hostility toward the person who died. That is why I am commanding you to set aside three cities of refuge. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he swore to your ancestors, and gives you all the land he promised them, you must designate three additional cities of refuge. Ezra 10, 1-44 While Ezra prayed and made this confession, weeping and lying face down on the ground in front of the temple of God, a very large crowd of people from Israel, men, women, and children, gathered and wept bitterly with him. Then Shechaniah, son of Jehiel, a descendant of Elam, said to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God, for we have married these pagan women of the land. But in spite of this, there is hope for Israel. Let us now make a covenant with our God to divorce our pagan wives and to send them away with their children. We will follow the advice given by you and by the others who respect the commands of our God. Let it be done according to the law of God. Get up for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We are behind you, so be strong and take action. So Ezra stood up and demanded 
that the leaders of the priests and the Levites and all the people of Israel swear that they would do as Shechaniah had said, and they all swore a solemn oath. Then Ezra left the front of the temple of God and went to the room of Jehonan of Eliashib. He spent the night there without eating or drinking anything. He was still in mourning because of the unfaithfulness of the returned exiles. Then a proclamation was made throughout Judah and Jerusalem that all the exiles should come to Jerusalem. Those who failed to come within three days would, if the leaders and elders so decided, forfeit all their property and be expelled from the assembly of the exiles. Within three days all the people of Judah and Benjamin had gathered in Jerusalem. This took place on December 19th, and all the people were sitting in the square before the temple of God. They were trembling both because of the seriousness of the matter and because it was raining. Then Ezra the priest stood and said to them, You have committed a terrible sin. By marrying pagan women, you have increased Israel's guilt. So now confess your sin to the Lord, the God of your ancestors, and do what he demands. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from these pagan women. Then the whole assembly raised their voices and answered, Yes, you are right. We must do as you say. Then they added, This isn't something that can be done in a day or two, for many of us are involved in this extremely sinful affair, and this is the rainy season, so we cannot stay out here much longer. Let our leaders act on behalf of us all. Let everyone who has a pagan wife come at a scheduled time, accompanied by the leaders and judges of a city, so that the fierce anger of our God concerning this affair may be turned away from us. Only Jonathan, son of Asahel, and Jeziah, son of Tikva, opposed this course of action. And they were supported by Meshulam and Shabbatai, but the Levite. So this was the plan they followed. Ezra selected leaders to represent their families, designating each of the representatives by name. On December 29th, the leaders sat down to investigate the matter. By March 27th, the first day of the new year, they had finished dealing with all the men who had married pagan wives. These are the priests who had married pagan wives from the family of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, and his brothers, Messiah, Eliezer, Jerob, and Gedaliah. They vowed to divorce their wives, and they each acknowledged their guilt by offering a ram as a guilt offering. From the family of Immer, Hanani, and Zebediah. From the family of Haram, Messiah, Elijah, Shemaiah, Jehiel, and Uzziah. From the family of Pasher, Elonai, Messiah, Ishmael, Nethanel, Jozebad, and Elisah. These are the Levites who were guilty, Jozebad, Shimei, Kaliah, also called Kalida, Pethaniah, Judah, and Eleazar. This is the singer who was guilty, Eliashib. These are the gatekeepers who were guilty, Shalom, Talim, and Uri. These are the other people of Israel who were guilty, from the family of Parosh, Ramiah, Isaiah, Malkijah, Mijamim, Eleazar, 
Hashabiah, and Benaiah, from the family of Elam, Mataniah, Zechariah, Jehiel, Abdi, Jeremoth, and Elijah, from the family of Zatu, Elonai, Eliashib, Mataniah, Jeremoth, Zabad, and Aziza, from the family of Babai, Jehohanan, Hananiah, Zabai, and Athlai, from the family of Bani, Meshulam, Maluk, Adiah, Jashub, Sheel, and Jeremoth, from the family of Pehath Moab, Adna, Kalal, Benaiah, Messiah, Madaniah, Bezalel, Benui, and Manasseh, from the family of Haram, Eliezer, Ishia, Malkijah, Shemaiah, Shimeon, Benjamin, Maluk, and Shemariah, from the family of Hashum, Matani, Matatah, Zabad, Eliphelet, Jeremiah, Manasseh, and Shimei, and from the family of Bani, Madai, Amram, Uel, Benaiah, Badiah, Kaluhi, Benaiah, Meramoth, Eliashib, Madaniah, Madani, and Jasu, from the family of Benui, Shimei, Shelemiah, Nathan, Adai, Machnebdeba, Sheshai, Sherai, Azarel, Shelemiah, Shemariah, Shalom, Amariah, and Joseph, from the family of Nebo, Jeel, Mattatiah, Zabad, Zabina, Jadai, Joel, and Benaiah. Each of these men had a pagan wife, and some even had children by these wives. 1 Corinthians 6, 1-20 When one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should be surely able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I am saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols, or commit adultery, or are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed, you were made holy, You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Yeshua and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. 
You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by His power, just as He raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Yeshua? Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never! And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run! from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Psalm 31, 9-18 Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me when they see me on the street. They run the other way. I am ignored, as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. My future is in your hands. Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. Let them lie silent in the grave. Silence their lying lips, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. Proverbs 21.3 The Lord is more pleased when we do what is right and just than when we offer Him sacrifices. I'd like to speak to you from our Torah portion from Deuteronomy 18, and then we're going to jump into Ezra chapter 10. And where I want to begin in Deuteronomy 18 is I want to take a look at Verse 15, where it is written, Moses continued, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Now we've talked about the four levels of Torah study. Pshat, Remez, 
drash and sowed. And this verse is a remez hint, hinting and pointing us to Yeshua, that Yeshua is that prophet that he is hinting at here in this verse. The hint also continues in verses 18 and 19, where it is written, I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell the people everything I command him. I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. Again, this is a remez hint uh, pointing us to Yeshua, the Messiah, because Yeshua is the spirit of prophecy. Now let's continue on into the book of Ezra. And some very serious things happen in this chapter that we read today. And in Ezra 10, verses 7 and 8, it is written, Then a proclamation was issued in Yehuda and Jerusalem that all who had returned from the exile would, should assemble in Jerusalem, and that anyone who did not come in three days would, by decision of the officers and elders, have his property confiscated and himself excluded from the congregation of the returning exile. So that's a very severe uh, principle. It's saying, you better come, and if you don't, you're going to lose everything. And so in verse 9, it says, All the men of Yehuda, Judah, and Benjamin assembled in Jerusalem in three days. It was the ninth month, the twentieth of the month. All the people sat in the square of the house of Hashem, trembling on account of the event and because of the rains. So they're trembling because of the rains, but they're also trembling because it's a very serious matter. Now, the Israel Bible commentary to this verse is really quite insightful. I want to share it with you. This verse only mentions the tribes of Yehuda and Benjamin, and that's the southern kingdom. The two tribes that make up the ancient kingdom of Judah that have been exiled to Babylon. The other ten tribes, that is the northern kingdom, had formed the kingdom of Israel, or the northern kingdom, also known as Ephraim, or the house of Joseph, or the house of Israel. And they had been exiled earlier by the Assyrians and forced to assimilate and became lost to the nation of Israel. Although today almost all Jews are descendants of the ancient tribe of Yehuda or Judah, the modern Jewish state was called Israel and not Judah. Why? The supertribal name Israel provides the most comprehensive framework for the realization of Ezekiel's vision. In Ezekiel 37, verse 19 and 22, it is written, Thus said Hashem, I am going to take the stick of Joseph, that is, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of the north, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, which is in the hand of Ephraim and of the tribes of Israel associated with him, and I will place the stick of Judah upon it and make them into one stick. They shall be joined in my hand. I will make them a single nation in the land on the hills of Israel. And one king shall be king of them all. 
Never again shall they be two nations, and never again shall they be divided into two kingdoms. The state's founders wished to be as inclusive as possible, allowing room for the vast cultural and ethnic diversity of the incoming exiles and thus fulfilling a role in the prophetic return of the lost ten tribes, along with the tribes of Yehuda and Benjamin, to the land of Israel. That is fascinating, that the name they chose to name the country wasn't Judah, because right now most of the people who have returned to the land are of the tribe of Judah. They are Jewish, but they chose to name the nation Israel because the whole house of Israel includes all 12 tribes. It includes the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. So I thought that was really fascinating. Finally, I want to wrap up with a few of the verses from Psalm 31. And again, I want to bring out a principle that it's a very powerful thing to pray the Word of God. You can't go wrong when you pray the scriptures because you're you're going to hit the mark bullseye every time because you're praying his word and you know you're right smack dab in the middle of his will when you pray his word. So it's really a good practice when you're praying over different things to find a scripture or two that you can pray into over that situation or over that person. So For those of you listening who may be going through great trial, great adversity, tremendous grief or sorrow over a situation, um, Psalm 31 is a great psalm to pray into as a prayer. So I'm going to start with verse 9 through 12, and I'm going to pray it as a prayer today. Have mercy on me, Yahweh, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I'm dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. Let me comment on that. This whole coronavirus vaccine business has been a tremendous uh, divider. And I've heard... I've experienced it in my own family, but I've also heard reports from many others that um, there's people who are choosing not to get the vaccine because it's really not a vaccine and it's experimental. It's gene therapy. More than 50,000 people in America alone have died from the vaccine and many tens of thousands more have had vaccine injuries. Um, It causes heart enlargement. 
heart attack, stroke, bleeding, hemorrhaging, infertility, all kinds of issues and problems. And, and so even within a family, you can have one family member that's all gung-ho to go and get this jab. And then you may have made a decision not to get the jab. And then because you refuse to go and get it because it's experimental and it's not FDA approved and you have your reasons for not getting it, it changes your DNA. You get scorned. You get mocked. You'd get a lot of pushback. You get pushed off to the side like, I I don't want to associate with you because you won't get the jab. Does that sound familiar? And no matter how gracious you try to be and not push it and just, you know, not even talk about it. This is, you know, you make your decision. I make my decision. Um, People who are choosing not to be vaccinated are being treated like second class citizens and like somehow they are the problem. When in fact, the statistics and the data show that the Delta variant is really not a Delta variant at all. But what's happening is the people who took the jab are now getting vaccine-damaged symptoms. And the vaccine-damaged symptom is that their body, which is now producing the spike protein, uh, that spike protein then morphs and changes and becomes the, quote, Delta variant. And so the people who are getting the Delta variant are those that have taken the jab. And some of the most heavily vaccinated nations in the world, Iceland and Israel, have the greatest uptick in the coronavirus right now. Why? Because the people who took the jab are now producing this COVID uh, spike protein, and it's creating a second wave of uh, this virus. So... It's not protecting people. They they become super spreaders of it. So those who are not vaccinated are being accused of being the problem when, in fact, those who decided to take the jab are actually the ones that are now spreading it. So anyway, I bring this all up because this hits home for me on a personal level. I have a family member that feels very strongly about the jab and has taken it and is really strongly trying to coerce me into taking the jab. And I've decided I will not take it. No way. I will not defile my body. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I don't need my DNA rewritten. Thank you very much. So you may go through some isolation. You may go through some um, persecution because you've decided and chosen not to take the jab. And this psalm is a psalm of comfort, that we can pray this as a prayer. And Yeshua is there with us. He sees. He sees our grief. He sees when we are being scorned or despised or rejected, or persecuted. He sees all, and he is there with us. He sees when we are being ignored as though we were dead by our own family members because we've made a decision that's different from what they chose. 
So Heavenly Father, we just conclude today and we lift up our family members and loved ones who have made a decision to take the jab and have done so. And we just pray, Father, that you will open their hearts and their minds to your truth. That your Holy Spirit will minister to their hearts and that you will pour forth your love to them. And help us to to be people of long-suffering and of great patience and of tremendous grace. So that when we have opportunity to interact with our loved ones and family members who are who've been blinded and deceived and who don't know better, that we can show and minister your grace, your kindness, your mercy, and your love. May we not offend and and further polarize and divide, but may we truly be an ambassador for Yeshua. And Father, for those who may have taken the jab, not knowing all of the negative effects upon the body, I pray, Father, your mercy and your grace. I pray that you'll purge out the spike protein out of people's bodies. And I pray that you will show them natural remedies to strengthen their immune system, to rebuild their immune system, and to purge out the spike protein out of their body. I pray your blessing, your mercy, and your grace upon those listening today. In Yeshua's name, Amen. Adonai Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>